Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise and it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Partial is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Give a gift of any amount. We'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, please enjoy the podcast. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. Well, Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely next... rare safety move by a nation. 17 years, the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. This The annual defense bill typically receives bipartisan support, but this time around, all but four House Democrats opposed the legislation. This is the moment that thousands of heavily armed soldiers and police officers try to retake a rioting prison in Ecuador. According to the Prime Minister's office, President Biden and Netanyahu shared a warm and long call. They discussed regional issues, including the threat from Iran, Israeli-Palestinian relations, and expanding peace in the region. Scientists say the 101.1 degree temperature recorded at a buoy near Key Largo, Florida this week may break a record for the highest observed sea surface temperature. Sweltering, scorching heat intensifying across the Southwest. Here in Phoenix, the 18th straight day of temperatures in excess of 110 degrees. Harvard University facing a new civil rights investigation over its legacy admissions policy. Standing here today, representing the Jewish Democratic State of Israel in its 75th year at the very podium from which my late father, President Chaim Herzog, spoke 
is in the honour of a lifetime and I thank you wholeheartedly for it. After years of pandemic isolation, North Korea has invited its friends back this week for 70th anniversary commemorations of the Korean War. Russia bombarded Ukraine with another wave of missiles and drones in the latest overnight attack. Hollywood producers are firing back at striking actors. Major film and television studios said late Monday that they had offered more than $1 billion in extra compensation. Protesters clashed with Kenyan police on Wednesday at the start of three days of protests that President William Ruto said would not be allowed to happen. There is a tentative contract agreement between UPS and its more than 340,000 union workers. The Pentagon is bolstering its presence in the Middle East with the deployment of a guided missile destroyer and fighter aircraft. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. That is a quick overview of July 2023. Craig Parshall is joining me, and we are continuing our retrospective on the year that was, taking a sneak peek at the year that is to be. And if you're interested in finding out some of the stories we talked about and our observations from January to June, you can do that by downloading last hour's podcast. In the Market with Janet Parshall.org. Left-hand side, click on the words Past Programs, and you can download that hour and listen at your convenience. Convenience. We store all our audio, both hours of every day, going back one full year. But we're going to begin now where we left off last hour, and that is with the month of July, which I find interesting in so many perspectives. I'm going to start with a Hollywood perspective, Craig. Now, tomorrow we're going to talk with Karen Cavell, and she's going to give us some very specific ways to pray for those for whom God has called to serve in the entertainment industry and also gives us some very specific prayer requests because we look at the entertainment industry, the largest group of influencers on planet Earth, not uh, as Sodom and Gomorrah, but as Nineveh, where we can pray for real revival because they do have an influence. How do I know? Because July of last year, the movie Barbie was released and Oppenheimer. And if you put those two together on the opening weekend, they raked in $235.5 million dollars. They're not giving money away. That's you and me talking with our dollars, deciding what kind of films we want to see. Those two films, by the way, couldn't have been any more different. One was a feminist tome, and the other one was a comment on nuclear warfare and its proliferation, going back from the 1950s to where we are in 2024. Still a very dangerous world in front of us. So the influence of film I find very interesting because that, to me, is like uh, your meat thermometer. I'll give a female perspective being in the kitchen here. You can kind of push it into the culture and get a read on where people are at by where they're putting their money when it comes to particular films. Now, you've seen both films. And for the record, I'm going to put this is just my opinion. Everybody's entitled to one. I refuse to pay a penny to see the Barbie film because I did my homework. And Greta Gerwig is an avowed feminist. She wanted in an interview with Variety magazine said she wanted to rewrite the Genesis narrative where Ken is subservient to Barbie rather than. Eve being subservient to Adam. That's her perspective, of course. And I refused to pay a penny and only when I could watch it for free because I knew it was a cultural phenomenon. I wanted to hear what was being um, touted. It wasn't being touted. It was being shouted. It was being screened from little girls smashing their baby dolls in the beginning uh, to Barbie's feminist outcry at the end. And it was everything I knew it would be. We chose to go to Oppenheimer. That we paid to see because we were very interested in Christopher Nolan's take on a man who became morally conflicted after he discovered the science but understood the effect. Ethics without science is chaos. So tell me, just film in general, what that says about us as a people. And those two films are really an interesting case study of who we are as a culture. It's a great contrast, and I'm glad that you brought it up because the following month in August— 
Barbie became the highest grossing movie of all time. But in that month, it was a sh- uh, it was a competition uh, in the media and in the box office between those two films. But aren't those the two uh, ultra extremes of both Hollywood and the art of cinema and what people are interested in? At one end, you have Barbie, which is um, an exa- a, a a prolonged example of frivolous wokeness at its extreme. Frivolous wokeness um, par excellence. At the other end, you have Oppenheimer, which shows you the profound horror, both of war and of advanced Mm -hmm. weaponry in the 20th century and the prospect that it may be used in 2024 or years in the future. Those two extremes frivolity and wokeness and the horrors of war because of a fallen humanity. Mm. It really gives, I think, followers of Christ an opportunity to understand the landscape in which we have to both example, uh, exemplify uh, our fellowship of Christ and share the gospel with those in this culture at both extremes and everything in between. By the way, Time Magazine, in their review of the year 2023, wrote an entire piece into their arts section dealing with Barbie. And they said the movie of the year brought in more than $1.4 billion at the box office, then opened at a soaring $24.99 on streaming. Again, the partial household did not pay a penny for that. Thank you very much. We didn't contribute to $1 of that. And then it ends with this statement, in pink, with an exclamation point. It's also a resounding call for feminism. There, can't say you ain't been told. I'm not a feminist, never will be. Um, thanks very much, but I think it's a vacuous particular worldview. And uh, I don't need Greta Gerwig's big poster screaming at a feminist rally. You know, Barbie is the new pink, whatever. Thanks so much. I'm moving on quickly with that one. When we come back, what in the world happened in August of 2023? We'll take a look at some of those stories after this. What do Christians really believe? What do we stand for? Do we know the essentials of our faith? That's why I've chosen I Believe as this month's truth tool. Know what you believe and how to convey the truth of God's word to a hurting culture. As for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market, call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Chocolate makers like Hershey and Mondelez face tougher trading conditions over the next year. We have some breaking news to bring to you right now. A New Hampshire woman and her child kidnapped in Haiti have been freed. The accused architect of the September 11th terror attacks may never face the death penalty. While the rest of the world grapples with inflation, China appears to be sliding into deflation. An inferno spreading in the vacation paradise of Maui. This morning, Maui's wildfire disaster now claiming at least least 106 lives. Well, the death toll from a suicide bombing attack at a political rally in Pakistan has risen to 45. Japan's exports fell in July for the first time in nearly two and a half years. Well, a former FBI spy hunter now faces up to five years in jail after he pleaded guilty to conspiracy to violate U.S. sanctions on Tuesday. 41 migrants have drowned off the Italian island of Lampedusa after their boat capsized. Adelia's fury 
Maximum sustained winds of 130 miles per hour as it approached landfall this morning. Leaders on both sides of the aisle are wishing Congressman Steve Scalise well this morning after the Louisiana Republican revealed he has been diagnosed with myeloma, a form of blood cancer. France has neither confirmed nor denied being given authorization to carry out strikes aimed at freeing Niger's ousted president, Mohamed Bazoum. In Republican-led Ohio, a resounding victory for abortion rights supporters. It's the largest city government in the country and today the Adams administration issued a directive ordering all city employees and agencies to remove TikTok from city-owned devices. We are coming on the air as the nation witnesses an historic moment in Washington DC, a first in US history. A former president criminally charged with allegedly working to overturn the results of a presidential election. Paul Rubens, the actor and comedian best known for his portrayals of the character Pee Wee Herman, has died. Wall Street's main indexes eked out small gains on Thursday as investors parsed the latest inflation data and contemplated the Federal Reserve's next move. That is a review of August 2023 as Craig and I continue our retrospective on the year that was last hour when we were looking at January through June. And again, this hour, TikTok keeps raising its head, whether it's on the European continent or different states here in the United States. Where are we with TikTok right now? Um, limbo, but uh, there is a general consensus really on both sides of the aisle in Congress that that uh, TikTok is not to be trusted. They consider it an arm and rightfully so, because all the evidence uh, gives a, a pretty clear verdict that they're simply an agent of the communist Chinese military. In fact, every business that originates within China organically and then then uh, operates in other countries is really a functional arm of the communist Chinese government. Um, so it's it's in limbo, but there is a consensus that it ought to be controlled, that it cannot be trusted, and in worst-case scenarios, it should be blocked. Um, here's what's interesting about, uh, and we're, we're in August now, we're talking about the summer of 2023, there was a lot of technology news, a lot of it sort of under radar, when you look in a retrospective, I'll give you a couple examples. That was certain. TikTok was certainly one that was hitting, you know, page two or page three of newspapers, and you know, uh, on the first page of Google search for Google News and so forth. So that issue had uh, legs, but there were a number of <laughs> very important issues. I think even more important issues than the specific TikTok one during that time frame that didn't get discussed in terms of the headlines. I'll tell you one of them. Uh, one of them was the fact that Meta, uh, which is the new uh, corporate entity that owns and operates Facebook and Instagram and a number of its online platforms, so it's a mega uh, global technology company, blocked the entire nation of Canada from accessing Facebook. They did it for the same reasons that it happened against the nation of Australia, because Canada did what Australia tried to do, which is they made some, they passed some laws that Meta didn't like, that were economically disadvantageous to Meta, and so they simply said nobody in Canada will be able to access Facebook in terms of news and information. It must be good to be king. Yeah. So when I talk about the monopoly power of these technology companies, uh, I'm not exaggerating. Here's here's one. Here's another one that I think is even more alarming. And that is uh, that during the same time frame in the summer of 2023, 
the Secretary General of the United Nations declared that they needed to create a new UN agency so that it could oversee the global use of artificial intelligence in order to avoid, quote, existentialist, or excuse me, existential risks from AI. Well, first of all, some of us would consider the United Nations itself to be an existential (laughs) uh, risk to certain freedoms and certain national sovereignties. But that aside, that, that slipped below the radar. But when the United Nations say, we need to control artificial intelligence, not the private sector, nor even nation states, but the international body called the United Nations, it ought to give us some pause. Well, Craig, I find it interesting because um, John Roberts published his annual year-end report Sunday, uh, and he made a point of saying AI, we talk an awful lot about tech on this program, will, quote, transform the Supreme Court. Now, why do you think he said that? Because we're talking about tech here. So now you've got the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court saying that artificial intelligence will transform the court. Now, we've had some hysterical conversations about lawyers representing you that are really AI or lawyers using AI to do their homework as they're briefing before they go to a trial or just some of the bizarre cartoonish kind of iterations of this technology. But why would the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court say it could transform the court? Well, first of all, this goes back to something I said a few minutes ago about the transparency of the Supreme Court, and it it should be lauded for this. Uh, This year, Chief Justice John Roberts released his yearly review of the judiciary. And in his report, he focused 90% of his report in writing, you can find it online, about the risks and the benefits of artificial intelligence in the legal community. Wow. But the two things he said was, we recognize, he wrote, that there is a risk of invasion of privacy, potential with artificial intelligence. He said also, dehumanization of judge-made decision-making. We can get back to that in a second when we come back. And when we return, we're going to take a look at the month of September of 2023. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall. Craig Parshall's with me. More after this. In communities all across America, people young and old observe September 11th, Patriot Day, by giving back. Today, a rare show of force by tech tycoons on Capitol Hill, tackling the growing threat of artificial intelligence. BMW will invest $750 million at its UK plants to take its iconic mini brand all electric by 2030. China's latest trade numbers once more made bleak reading. Tonight, the view from above showing entire cities underwater after a cyclone tore through southern Brazil. The company behind ChatGPT announced that its chatbot will now have the ability to speak. The government is on the brink of a shutdown. Yet another daycare in New York has been shut down over an alleged criminal enterprise. Police say they discovered 3D printing tools for making untraceable guns at a daycare in Harlem. The presidents of Ukraine and the United States met at the White House on Thursday. Microsoft could finally move past a big obstacle in its aim to buy game maker Activision Blizzard. Aid is being deployed and rescue efforts are underway in the Libyan city of Derna as people look for missing loved ones washed away by floods. Hong Kong was hit with record-breaking rainfall Thursday and into Friday, 
its heaviest in over a century of records. Breaking news, the U.S. soldier who ran across the border from South Korea in July is now in U.S. custody. North Korea's Kim Jong-un has continued his official visit to Russia, stopping on Friday to inspect a fighter jet factory that is under Western sanctions due to the war in Ukraine. The United States waived sanctions to allow the transfer of $6 billion in Iranian funds from South Korea to Qatar, a step needed to carry out a previously announced U.S.-Iran prisoner swap. OpenAI is on track to generate more than $1 billion in revenue over the next 12 months. And that was September 2023, as Craig and I continue our retrospective on the year that was. Actually, this is a perfect pickup because you wanted to comment more about Justice John Roberts' annual report that he produced. He uh, released it on Sunday, and he was talking about how AI could transform the Supreme Court. Look how many stories in the month of September mm-hmm. dealt with yeah chat uh, uh, GPT and we've talked about this all last year and my guess is we'll talk about it going into 2024 as well but pick up on what Robert said and then just talk to me about again I'm not afraid because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear but power love and have a sound mind all of those are necessary to function in the world until the Lord takes us home and the sound mind is particularly applicable with AI because um, even if you think of this as nothing more than a slice of science fiction theater on a Saturday afternoon, it is not the future. It is here now. It threatens your job. It can transform uh, medicine. It can transform law. It can transform entertainment. Um, it has the potential for good, but given the basics in nature of man, uh, this is one of those areas when I want to proceed with caution. And I do like what Elon Musk said at that UK summit where he said there needs to be a third-party referee to kind of oversee and to give some guidelines as the advances go on. But go back to Roberts first and then your general observations. Well, he was very careful not to dive mm-hmm. into some of the legal issues because he's not going to predict what legal issues will arise or how the court might treat them or how he might dis- help decide those. Um, privacy is obvious. So is the dehumanization of, of the judging process. Um, basically, he was making the point, and I totally agree with him, and so do a lot of other people who have looked at this issue, that AI needs to be restrained and contained within the category of a tool rather than making ourselves the tool of artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time frame, uh, Google and Microsoft were leading the way to create an industry coalition to try to uh, promulgate some guide, some voluntary guidelines because they were concerned enough. So Elon Musk was not the only one. Microsoft and Google and other companies were saying, we may not use the same um, kind of extreme language that Elon Musk used about existential threat, but they were threatened enough. They were concerned enough to say the industry people need to get together and have some guidelines. At the same time frame, the White House came in in 2023 with its own executive order saying that equity, not equality, equity, a value that the White House has promoted, needs to be infused in all artificial intelligence. Now, equity has been defined by some political leaders as not equality, but something distinct from it, meaning that you determine equal outcomes even if it means depriving some groups or some people or depriving certain civil liberties. So I think, I think we need to keep an eye on this issue because you and I talked a lot about it. I guarantee I'm not big on predictions for the year of 2024, but I will say this. It's almost a near certainty. Artificial intelligence will be a major issue 
ethically, morally, I would suggest biblically, uh, in terms of how the followers of Christ should view this new technology. Expand on that. Why particularly the followers of Christ? Well, because the information that we weigh, we take the Bible in one hand and the information we get from the world in the other, whether it's news or news reports or entertainment, and then we discern the news of the day, the information of the day, through the lens of Scripture. It requires both. Now, the Bible is sure and certain in its text, reasonably uh, capable of being interpreted by a follower of Christ with all kinds of resources, the values and the standards that God has given us of wisdom. But then when we look at the information and try to evaluate that, um, the fact is artificial intelligence, because uh, the rapidity with which it can disseminate information globally and its potential for skewing information because artificial intelligence has been subjected to machine learning at the hands of people with a certain worldview. We aren't uh, privy to the worldview, but I can give you a pretty good guess where it's coming from. So therefore, artificial intelligence has the power to, f- to skew and to create uh, not only misleading information and couch it as being accurate, but also downright false information. And in fact, that's been admitted by some of the originators of artificial intelligence, that in some cases they admit it's been spewing fake information. We'll be back after this. If what you hear on In the Market with Janet Partial encourages you, enlightens you, engages you, and equips you, I want to ask you to become a partial partner today. This program depends on the faithful and ongoing support of listeners just like you. By supporting this program on a regular, ongoing, monthly basis, you'll receive several benefits that only my partners receive. So please call today, 877-JANET-58, or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Members of Congress are set to hold a vote today on whether to oust Kevin McCarthy as Speaker. Declaring the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant. Resolved that the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant. Ukraine's military has shared video they say shows their first use of U.S. long-range missiles against Russian forces. Africa is realizing its potential and becoming an economic, political and social powerhouse. A new migrant caravan of up to 7,000 people now passing through Mexico, heading straight for the U.S. southern border. The investigation is underway after the death of Matthew Perry. More than two dozen people were killed when Hurricane Otis barreled into the Mexican beach resort of Acapulco. Shares of Tesla and other electric vehicle makers plummeted on Thursday. Chevron agreed on Monday to buy U.S. oil and gas producer Hess in a $53 billion all-stock deal. If all goes to plan, a SpaceX rocket will launch the first commercial lunar lander within weeks. Congress has a new House Speaker tonight, ending three weeks of uncertainty and chaos. Israel at war, October 7th, 2023, almost 50 years to the day after the Yom Kippur surprise attack by Arab nations. We are at war, not an operation, not rounds, 
but at war. This morning, Israel under attack. It started with an early dawn rocket attack that lasted for nearly half an hour. This morning, a music festival in Israel packed with hundreds of young people ending in carnage. It's like watching a horror movie, life, like real, real life horror movie. Tonight, authorities in the U.S. ramping up security amid warnings about potential violence mounting nationwide over the Israel-Hamas war. In this moment of tragedy, I want to say to them and to the world and to terrorists everywhere that the United States stands with Israel. Mm. And that's a review of October of 2023. Clearly, Craig, the big news story of all was the October 7th attack on Israel. But what I find interesting, and we didn't talk about this before, is both last hour and this hour, how many times Israel shows up in the review of what was happening that month, whether it was the president speaking, the president of Israel speaking at the United Nations or missiles that were being fired from Gaza into Israel, the provocation, Mm -hmm. the poking, the prodding. The unrelentless commitment to drive them from the river to the sea. So this shouldn't, anybody who watches Israel, none of this should have come as a surprise. None, by any stretch of the imagination. And again, what we've learned through all of this is the ugly, demonic monster of anti-Semitism that's fomenting just below the cultural surface. By the way, I thought it was unconscionable. And by the way, anybody who thinks that these pro-Palestine, and I put air quotes around that, there is no Palestine, if you know your history, these protesters that show up blocked people trying to get into O'Hare before Christmas flights and blocked people trying to get out of JFK on uh, New Year's Day. So these are not organic. These are very nefarious groups that are funding these people to show up to try to advance this idea that there should be no Jewish state, which, by the way, you talk about going through life with the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. This is not, I don't care how it's permitted on the Alphabet Soup Networks, this is a spiritual issue. The Bible talks about the nation of Israel, the past and also the future and the important role that that nation plays. And God has never turned his back on that country, nor did he change his mind, nor somewhere between Malachi and Matthew did he go, oh, I really meant the church in the New Testament. I didn't mean the nation of Israel. So this is a wake-up call for believers like no other story we've talked about last year. Your thoughts? This should not have been a total surprise. Yes, it happened in the month of October, but back in April of 2023, uh, there were a number of news stories about the Palestinian terrorists in Gaza shooting missiles into not only the suburbs, but some that came perilously close uh, to Tel Aviv. Uh, And this was months before the October slaughter began. Now, the history, I think, is educational. The more you know about the history of both the founding of the nation of Israel and what happened in uh, in the years and decades after that to the present time shows you several constant uh activities from its enemies. And one of them has been the persistent philosophy by the Palestinian Authority and by Hamas and a number of uh, terror organizations that have subsumed Lebanon and some of the countries surrounding Israel, is that their ga- their their goal is not a one na- a two st- nation uh, solution with one separate nation being a, a Palestine. Their goal has been to destroy Israel, as you said, to drive it into the sea. Um, So you can't negotiate, you can't nation build with attitudes like that. And frankly, the October event, as terrible as it was, and it isn't over, 
The war is continuing. It's day 89 today. It, it, day 89. <clears throat> 89. I think it prefigures in the year 2024 to reorient some of the nation relationships between some of the Arab states and Israel and the Palestinian terrorists who have taken over control of Gaza. In fact, even the future of the Palestinian Authority. So I think we need to keep our eye on Israel because things are in motion. Uh, absolutely. Well, I, I, we understand that even the establishment of the Jewish state was the fulfillment of prophecy. That's where the believer has to start. This may have been done through the UN. The United States may have been the first nation state to affirm the decision to grant statehood to that Jewish state. But this was a fulfillment of prophecy. All those people in the UN, when they voted in 48, didn't understand that they were being used of God in the fulfillment of prophecy. So, uh, again, none of this should come as a surprise, but the best predictor of the future is watching what's happening in Israel. I don't know where we are in the timeline, and I'm not to know. No man knows the hour, right? He's going to come like a thief in the night, and only the Father knows. But the point is, Jesus reminded us to be good farmers and good sailors and to watch the signs around us, and that's exactly what we should be doing. So let me just drop in as we are in day 89. And again, we talked about last hour the Ukrainian war dragging on and on and on and on got knocked off the front pages when October 7th hit. And now the focus was on Israel. Um, I find it interesting that we didn't see those kinds of protests in the streets when it became pro-Russia crowds versus pro-Ukraine crowds. Do you find that interesting? Nope, didn't happen at all. Yes. Israel, now we've got, quote, pro-Palestinian crowds, whatever that means, really and truly calling for the annihilation of the Jewish people. And by the way, they're getting bolder and bolder in their protests. They're talking about death to the Jews. Now, when we say never again, which was the watchword that arose post-Holocaust, we mean never again. If the believer has any responsibility right now, it's to decry anti-Semitism, whether it's in the church or in the culture writ large. We are to speak against this. And it's getting a louder and louder and louder voice. And, I, you know, this is what we need to pray for the president, because he's now under undue influence, because he's looking for votes. Note to file. This is an election year. And now he's kind of straddled, you know, First Kings 18, First Kings 18, limp between two opinions where he's talking about being pro-Palestinian, what he really means is pro-Arab versus being pro-Israel. He can't turn his back on the only democracy that we have in the Middle East. It's an ally. It's a support. It's militarily strategic. It's economically strategic. But by the same token, he's now got pressure from the Islamic community to try to make sure that he doesn't come across as being solely for Israel. That's an untenable situation. He needs our prayers on that. And he needs to be a yeah. man of courage. Yeah. There, it's not just a matter of two teams on the chessboard. Right. Israel and Hamas. On the chessboard are a cadre of nations. You have a number of nations in the Middle East that are not pleased. A number of Arab nation states that are not pleased with the terrorism of Hamas. Then you have the current administration in Washington, D.C. in a political year caught in the, um, the conundrum that you just described. And that is, if you appear to be too pro-Israel, then those in your party who are pro-Palestinian are going to make it difficult for you um, in, come convention time. So the political year adds that element to it. And then there's the nation of Israel itself in terms of its self um, uh, defense in terms of its sovereign right. Now, the one constant in all of these moving pieces is Israel's dedication to defend its borders and its peoples. But again, history is a great teacher. People need to realize that 
Israel had given up Gaza. It gave up to the Palestinian Authority certain self-governance within the Israeli territory. They have made concessions, and the result of those concessions by Israel has meant more bloodshed, more slaughter of the Israeli people. Yesterday, by the way, a drone strike in the southern suburbs of Beirut, Lebanon, killed a Hamas deputy leader. And by the way, not just any leader. He was one of the top officials in Hamas. Now, I want to underscore this. This is what Israel does with precision. So they go in. He gets killed. Five other of his cohorts get killed as well. And when Netanyahu says we're going to root out Hamas, he means getting rid of this entity, this this fake political entity, which is nothing but a terrorist organization. After this man was killed, because this is part of rooting it out, there were protests in the streets of Ramallah, and they were saying, we call on Hezbollah to get involved. Now, let me just think you through this for a minute. Hezbollah is in Lebanon. This is the training camp that Iran is funding. So if Hezbollah were to now get actively involved, there's no question anymore that this is not a proxy war. It is a war with Iran. You know, if ISIS... Um, or uh, another terrorist organization were to take over one of the provinces of Canada and use it as a launching point to fire missiles and slaughter Americans at the American northern border with Canada, you can, you can bet that there would be retribution, there would be a response from the American the United States military. That would be an invasion of our sovereignty as a nation. That same scenario, that with, the, with the same kind of bloody... Um, revolutionary and radical idea of ISIS, Hamas has waged war on Israel. Yeah, exactly right. So again, we continue to pray for those in authority. We pray for peace, uh, but we also pray for the eradication of a terrorist organization. That's not the Palestinian people. That's the terrorist organization. November, December. We'll talk about them when we get back. Israeli forces have surrounded Gaza City by attacking Hamas from the air, land and sea. A dire warning from FBI Director Christopher Wray that the terror threat level against the U.S. has not been this high since the emergence of ISIS. A month into the war, it's clear who owns the streets of western capitals. Overnight, a deep freeze on the move, blasting two-thirds of the country. These scenes of packed hospital waiting rooms raising alarm in China as it grapples with the spike in respiratory illnesses, mostly in children. Former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger died yesterday at the age of 100. Six days till Thanksgiving. It's the start of the travel rush crescendo. Abortion rights supporters protesting in Austin Sunday following a major setback for one woman seeking reproductive rights in the state. Pressure mounting on Harvard and MIT after the resignation of University of Pennsylvania's President Liz McGill. Harvard President Claudine Gay will remain at the helm of Harvard University after members of Harvard's governing body said they unanimously stand with her this morning. Anti-abortion advocates opened arguments in front of Arizona's Supreme Court Tuesday, hoping to reinstate an 1864 law, a near-total abortion ban in the state. A bill to approve more than $100 billion in emergency spending that includes aid for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan has failed to pass in the Senate. Hamas freed 12 more hostages, while Israel let 30 more Palestinian prisoners go free on the fifth day of a ceasefire in the war in Gaza. Hamas broke the humanitarian pause when it violated the hostage release agreement by refusing to release women, children, and babies as agreed. This morning, Israeli troops pressing deeper into North Gaza. Five, four, three, two, one! 
Well, there's November and December 2023 as we close out our conversation about the year that was. Hey, how about the fact that the Texas Rangers won mm-hmm. baseball's World Series in November? They defeated the Arizona First Diamondbacks. Time First time, which I thought was interesting. And also in December, we should talk about the U.N. Climate Change Conference. 200 countries agreed to transition away from fossil fuels. And obviously the people there were speaking to the home crowd and they were all cheering. And in the meantime... Uh, Not too many Americans want their electric cars, by the way. Too expensive. Nobody wants to stop every few hours and have to recharge their car. By the way, do you know that we did this in the early 1900s? You and I love to look at old historic photos. And we see people charging their electric cars in the early 1900s. How'd that work out for America? Let me check my watch. Yeah, it's 2024, mm-hmm. and uh, we're trying to reintroduce the idea of electric cars again. Well, there's interconnectedness uh, between that issue, of course, and the fact that it's a political year, 2024, a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of eyes are going to be on the state of uh, uh, West Virginia, which has survived as a nation on fossil fuel production. And uh, we have an open Senate seat that uh, could be uh, a, a game changer in the United States Senate. Joe Manchin's not going to run. That's right. That's exactly right. And this is a man, by the way, who, while he was a Democrat, would very often vote with Republicans because he was one of those individuals that very often led by principle as opposed to politics. But he is a very proud West Virginian and wants to preserve the economic flow in that challenged state. That's right. And it isn't just West Virginia, Craig. What do you do with Pennsylvania? What do you do with Kentucky, where mining are is very important? The idea that we're going to train people to work on solar panels instead? Really? What do How you do gonna, you pay your electric bill sure. in the and interim? And what are you going to do about, on a national scale, the national economy, which has been linchpinned to fossil fuels along with other forms uh, of energy? Um, so to take one of the major sources of energy that we have used and is is integrated into the survival of our economy and jobs and employment and infrastructure and suddenly say, we're going to stop using it. You know, and you've had, I know, a number of shows about uh, the climate debate, Uh, but you know that you have a problem when science and technology has declared an issue a dead letter and not uh, not to be further debated in public opinion or viewpoints. And unfortunately, climate change has been one of those. It has been an uphill battle for anybody to be able to say in Washington, D.C., or in any of the major um, media outlets, let's have it. Let's go back to square one. Let's have a reset and have a public debate, an intelligent debate about the actual risk or lack of risk about carbon emissions, where they come from, climate change and our economy. So, Craig, one of your triple majors as an undergrad was philosophy. Are you big into 16th century French philosophers, particularly a fellow by the name of Nostradamus? Well, you know, uh, some would call him a philosopher. Um, He may have been a scam artist, (laughs) a very clever one. But I repeat myself. (laughs) But I repeat myself. Well, but I have a feeling you have something to share. I do. About I do. That man. Because people who think that somehow he was prophetic, and I'm not one of those people, by the way, yes. said that one of his predictions has already been fulfilled. Now, he wrote in a very obscure way, by the way. His language leads is widely open to interpretation. Perhaps uh, on purpose, but I digress. I, yes, exactly. <laughs> well, apparently, he allegedly predicted the 7.6 magnitude earthquake that rocked Japan on New Year's Day. So far, 62 have died, and the number is climbing, and I heard breaks for those. 
those people. Now, of course, they're worried about a tsunami that's going to follow. But apparently in 1555, the prophet of doom, as he was known, one of the reasons why I don't follow prophets of doom, by the way, uh, the prophets have spoken. It's in God's word. And that's it. We're done with prophets. We don't get it anymore. Read the New Testament. But I digress. The dry earth will become, this is Nostradamus talking, the dry earth will become more parched and there will be great floods. He must have been at that climate conference in Paris, but I digress. <laughs> he added that 2024 would also see a, quote, very great famine through pestiferous wave hit with the pestiferous wave thought to be the deadly quake. So there you go. If you can extrapolate out of that what happened in Japan on New Year's Day, more power to so you. So he predicted that at some point, somewhere, there'd be a deadly quake and there'd be disastrous results. Hmm. You see, obfuscation, uh, I think, is the friend of Nostradamus, because the more you can uh, cloak your language and your predictions in obfuscation and vague terminology, the better you're going to be seen as a predictor. So let's just do a straight stick of truth here. He makes no profession of being a follower of Jesus Christ. He is in no way, shape, and form a prophet, because even in 1555, you're beyond the age of the prophets, if you're knowing your Bible. So the reality is, why are people so quick to believe what this French philosopher, mm-hmm. note the air quotes, believes, but yet when you read... Or their horoscope, But what the matter. prophets of the Old Testament had to say, right. right? You scoff and ridicule, and yet you'll take up and follow what this French philosopher said in pestiferous words. If you take that book of Isaiah in the Old Testament... There you go. ...and its predictions of the coming Redeemer, and you align it with what actually happened in the Gospels, you will see that God's predictions, his prophecies, always come true. And that prophecy about his coming son, who would come to redeem us, die on a cross, and be resurrected, is the greatest of all. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next time.